Life Audio. Hello all, and welcome to the Bible Never Said That. We've got something a little different for you today. When I started this out of context series, I asked listeners what they wanted me to cover. And one of the verses that continually came up was Matthew 7, 1, which says, judge not that you be not judged. And yes, listeners, you are correct. People take this one out of context all the time. However, I've already covered it. So we're going to do a re-air so you can hear this in context of our out of context series. We did it during our half truth series and it's episode 21, but we're going to replay it for you today. I hope you enjoy. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to our Half-Truth series here at The Bible Never Said That, where we discuss popular sayings that move through culture and the church that are judged to be theologically incorrect. Our Half-Truth series is dedicated to sayings that are biblically correct in some way, but are used in ways that are questionable. Our saying for today, do not judge. Clearly, the Bible says, judge not, but it also tells us to judge rightly. If you only look at single verses, you can defend both positions. So let's explore a bit more in context for this popular saying. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 tells us, judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? (laughs) You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Judge not. Even people who are otherwise biblically illiterate or indifferent to what the Bible says know this one, because it is useful to fuel a self-determined and self-directed life. People often extend judge not to only God can judge me. A popular song by Tupac, yes, complete truth, not quite. But even unbelievers will say things like this and people against the gospel of Christ often will use this verse to shut out the voice of truth while making their own judgments loud and clear. However, biblically, people might support this idea by using James 4.12 to back up the thought, which says, There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Or 1 Corinthians 4.3-4 But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. And of course, we have the story of the woman caught in adultery in John 8, one of the most beautiful stories. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought this woman in who was caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, 
This woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Who can cast a stone? For no one is without sin. Judgment and hypocrisy often hold hands. And this is what Jesus was speaking against when he says, judge not. We all know that in our propensity to be self-focused, we tend to think others are judging us with the same degree that we judge others. This is why people who are afraid of what others think of them are often also quick to tear others apart with their own judgment. We also know how easy it is to see what is wrong in others and that we can be hesitant to deal with what we know is wrong in our own life. Also, we are prone to judge a whole person by one action or one opinion. We can see a speck and we can cancel another human or begin to disbelieve all they say. While it is wise to judge people by the fruit in their lives, we need to be slow to disparage other image bearers of God, other humans, because they hold a viewpoint different than our own. This is not only destructive to our relationships, but also to a society in general. Hannah Anderson writes in All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment, that when we encounter someone who holds a viewpoint we don't agree with, we can begin to view their whole existence through the lens of our disagreement with them. Instead of getting to know them and engaging in their ideas, we assume we already know them because we know where they stand on a certain political or religious question. And the degree to which we disagree with them on this question becomes the degree to which we will disrespect and disregard their humanity. The danger here is obvious. When we judge by our own law and allow ourselves to not only become judge, but also executioner, we are no longer living and fighting for God's kingdom, but we are trying to build our own. But do not judge as a blanket statement is also dangerous because to live with a discerning mind is something that we are called to. We need to be able to test the spirits and identify the will of God. These things require us to make judgments. And just a few verses down from judge not in Matthew seven sixteen through 20, Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Our ability to recognize good from bad comes from knowing how to make a right judgment. Truly, 
the Lord is the only one who can judge in a perfect and pure way. Our judgment will always be clouded by living in a fallen world and our experiences and our preferences. The problem with human judgment is that it is never perfect. Take this scene where Jesus explains to a large group he was teaching at the Feast of Booths that people must learn to acquire right judgment. Starting in John seven sixteen, when the crowd began questioning where Jesus had learned the wisdom he possessed, Jesus answered them, saying, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Hear that? That's scripture. Judge with right judgment. Even in the section where Jesus says, do not judge, he still says in verse 5, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. There is instruction here to still get the speck you see from your brother's eye, which you can only do when you are seeing a person close up, certainly not from afar or turning a blind eye. We are supposed to be paying attention to each other out of love so we can help each other make it through this world. If we make a judgment, the intent of our heart must be in line with the heart of God. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. 
Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. First Corinthians offers a great case study on the complex nature of judging in general. Paul writes to Corinth because there has been a misunderstanding and misinterpretation of a previous letter Paul sent. That letter is not in the canon of scripture and we do not have a copy of it, but the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write 1 Corinthians in response to their wrong judgment of that letter. And in it, he is addressing a lot of issues impacting the early church. Corinth was a land full of idol worship and sexual morality, and the Christians needed some instruction. John Bloom succinctly lays out Paul's instruction in 1 Corinthians on judgment well in his article, Judge Not That You May Judge Well. He says, Christians are not to judge other Christians, and Christians are to judge other Christians. That's what the Bible teaches. In fact, the Apostle Paul says both things in the same letter, just a few paragraphs apart. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. 1 Corinthians 4.5 Don't judge other Christians. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? 1 Corinthians 5.12 Judge other Christians. Is Paul contradicting himself? No. Paul is simply instructing us that there are things we must not judge and things we must judge. Again and again, you will hear me stress the importance of studying the whole of Scripture so that we don't butcher correct theology by ripping verses out of context. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 5, 9, 13, where Paul is addressing the sin of a man who is sleeping with his father's wife, and notice the instruction on judging. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. This is a pivotal point. Paul says clearly don't judge unbelievers by the standards of God. They do not know them. Tragically, they do not know him. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, 16 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but to is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? But as for the believers, my reaction to what Paul says is, Jeez, Paul! so mean. Remember, these are Holy Spirit-inspired words. Would we purge the evil from among us? Should we? 
there is scripture commanding that it should be. So as much as I love standing in a place of not passing judgment, if I love God's word more, I will learn how to judge rightly. I am a lean towards mercy and grace kind of girl, but we have to remember that sin is killing people. It is defiling the church, the body of Christ. So there are times where it must be called out. The funny thing about this half true series is that it has the potential to make more people frustrated because if you like to judge others, I hope you hear that you must first search your own heart and judge rightly. And if you never make right judgments, I hope you see that there are times where we are called to do so. And if you find yourself struggling with the idea of judgment or how to judge rightly, I'll leave you with some questions to reflect on. Is this something God has already judged? It's always important to know your thoughts are in line with his. Ask yourself, am I judging actions that are clearly visible or am I making a judgment based on what I believe the intents of the heart are? Come on. Think about how many problems start with thinking we know what somebody means in their heart. Remember, 1 Samuel 16, 7 clearly states, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We cannot discern another's intent well. We must also ask, Have I taken the time to look at my own sin and let the Lord search me for any offensive way? Ask yourself, who are you to judge your neighbor? Are you someone who's been invited to speak into this person's life? What is your relationship with them? Will they have ears to hear from you? Are they someone who will be willing to listen? And finally, in your seeking to make a right judgment, you must ask yourself, Are you doing so for the freedom of another or to protect yourself? Remember, we are all people in need of a Savior. A Savior God provided through His Son, Jesus, who covers our sins so that we may stand righteous on the day of God's judgment that we all will face. Because of this gift, We can live lives of grace and peace and be lights in this world that desperately needs the hope that we know. So, let's pray that we live that out. Father God, we thank you that we can trust you to be the perfect judge. What a relief it is to know we don't have to judge a soul and that your justice will always prevail. Please give us wisdom to know how to call out sin and actions that are false in a world that tells us there is no absolute truth. Arm us with your courage and help us to offer grace as we lay out our lives before you daily and ask you to speak. Keep us from hypocrisy and make our hearts pure as we walk in your ways and follow your lead. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. 
The verses, articles, and books referred to in this episode can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. And if you're over in the notes, we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. And until next time, may you seek the abundant life Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.